Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Happy Mod Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans. This week's episode is inspired by the forthcoming solo album, the seventh solo album by Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer of Iron Maiden. Uh, it comes out next year in 2024. So I thought what I'd do is I'd go back and rank his six episodes from one to five. Uh, no particular order of how I like them, just I think just or how you might like them. But I just think this is what they sort of mean to me in one to five. There is a, a glaring a mission on the sixth album we'll talk about that later on in the show because it's something that i really want to talk about but we'll start with number five and we'll go through to number one now um they won't be as in depth on each album as they usually are because i've got to get through five albums in the time slot i don't want to bore you too much so we'll start with number five which is his second solo album um which is and his first solo album when we had left the band in 1993 as iron maiden that is it's Balls to Picasso. Um, it's number five for me because I think, along with the other one, which we name later on, is probably one of his weakest albums, uh, musically, um, thematically, and I think he's a little lost in this particular album. Uh, just uh, I think he's trying to throw off the shackles of, of Iron Maiden, and it doesn't seem to have really paid off. Um, it did poorly in the charts, uh, it's not uh, an album that I go back to uh, regularly, unfortunately. It is quite a meaty album. Um, it's a very American-sounding album. I think he was trying to be more, um, you know, the way that uh, that um, Def Leppard sort of went in that way uh, post their New Album Movement breakout when they went and become very American. Um, one of the reasons why I don't listen to later Leopard albums is they're a bit too um, rock and roll for me. Uh, and they're not enough heaviness. Anyway, it it does. Um, it had some. It's got some moments on it. There have been Cyclops, which is the opening track, and the second one, Hell, um, Hell, Hell No, and then Gods of War. The first three tracks are pretty uh, pretty good. I mean, I find particularly Cyclops is a song that I will go back to and repeat on the album. Um, and then, of course, maybe the lead single off it, which is Tears of a Dragon, which is very sing along. Uh, a good maidenish kind of uh, sound. It just it's a bit thin, and it's a little bit. It sort of suffers from the CD era, um, unfortunately, where the sound wall is higher. And let's get twelve tracks on an album when we, when ten will probably do. And that's why there's a bit of um, filler and not all killer on this album. I think as well. Um, he sort of playing around with musical styles, has a little bit of new metal sounding in it, which is something I find really unlistenable most of the time. Um, he's also trying to sing in a register that's too much high for him. He's, um, he's at this time, of, well, once he'd left Maiden, he, he started getting a little bit, his voice getting a bit overused because he tied himself out with the touring um, with Maiden up to that point. That's why he got a bit, um, a bit tetchy with the band and why he left. And uh, so he sort of was a bit burnt out. And I think uh, after the 
after this this is his second album after the first album tattoo millionaire which we'll, we'll talk about again later on um which was completely thematically different to anything he'd ever done he's trying to get back to his metal roots with this album and it just seems a little bit i don't know a little bit teenager for me i think the five albums that i'm going to talk about do sound like a a, a young man growing um out of like leaving home really does but it's like maiden is his home and he's left home and he's made you know he's making a, a start and uh, it just feels, I don't know, a little bit like, uh, you know, I, I didn't, re I mean, I went and bought it when it came out. Um, and, you know, I played it a handful of times. I don't really go back to it. If someone asks me what they think of what albums would you choose for Bruce Dickinson solo albums, this wouldn't be one of them. Uh, that's why it's in a number five. But again, you know, it's, uh, it's all taste. It's all uh, relevant. This top five list actually is also co-produced uh, in the list by Matt, my good friend Matt. We both talked about our top five and we exactly the same. It was in exactly the same order and for exactly the same reason, which I thought was really, really fascinating, actually. Great minds think alike. Hey, Matt. Um, the album cover, again, also is a little bit, you know, because Maiden never really put the band on the front, was always driven by Eddie and this the first two albums... Tattoo Millionaire and this one have him on the front and whether he's I know he's a sexy looking man but the albums themselves apart from Tattoo Millionaire I think Balls to the Picasso is a bit I don't know it's a bit um, last minute um, it was the biggest budget of the of the solo albums up to, I mean it was bigger budgeted than Tattoo Millionaire which was only recorded in two weeks so I had more time for this one but it's still I think it feels like it's been overproduced and underthought, and I don't think he plays any of the stuff from it. Maybe I think he does occasionally play "Tears of a Dragon" in his solo uh, solo work, but I think mainly more his um, later stuff from his later solo albums. So that's um, number five, uh, "Balls to Picasso." Right now, in at number four comes "Tyranny of Souls," released in two thousand and five. When well, he was back with Iron Maiden. This uh, this one, like the next three, could all really be in uh, the top two, to be fair. It's a very tricky list to do. There's two albums that I absolutely don't like, and you know I've just mentioned one of them, really, and one we won't name until later on in the show. Those are keen listeners of the and Know His Catalogue or Know the album I'm going to talk about, I'm sure, because you'll work it out by the time I get there. But Tyranny of Souls, 2005. Um, now... It's uh, the, the cover of the album is again we move away from pictures of, of Bruce and we get some artwork which we do love we made in albums and Brucey stuff and it's the um, it is now I wrote this down Earthly Vanity and Divine by Klaus Milling Melming it looks like a, a, a something done by um, Holbein or something it's his first album since. Uh, um, rejoining the band in 1999 and it does have a real maidenly feel to it to me um there's some really good tracks on it uh title track is loosely based on macbeth uh, and that's very much a a thing that brucey would do and something we love and i think what he did in the first two albums um and maybe even the th first three albums yeah um, he sort of was trying to get away from it felt to me he was getting away from the progressiveness and the literally he literal heaviness in both words metaphor and sound uh, of Maiden and uh, I think he realises that that's where his love lies really it does I mean he's a big Jeff Toll fan he loves Van der Graaff Generator yes we talked about this before on the show and you know, he wrote a brilliant... There's, there's, I mean, I love it when he's using... Um, when you're learning with Maiden, right? Or, or Brucey as well. Um, Kill, Devil Kill, Kill Devil Hill is inspired by the White Brothers' first successful flight in 1903. And you know he loves his flight and flying. Uh, it's uh, a, he, it, it's another great track on it. Um, Navigate the Seas of the Sun, which is inspired by Eric Von Daniken's theory of extraterrestrials present on Earth long ago. It's also about a man working that out in the future. It's it's so Bruce. It's so Maiden. It's sort of thing that really, honestly, um, possibly Steve Harris would have written. I mean, it does have Adrian Smith on it, 
And so that probably does help. And those that listen to this podcast for the first time who are Iron Maiden virgins, Adrian Smith was the guitarist, and is the guitarist of Iron Maiden, the left at the same time that Bruce did and came back at the same prime time Bruce did. Um, around the same time Bruce did. Anyway, uh, it feels musically right. Um, it sort of sits really well with Chemical Wedding and... and um, accident of birth. It's it's a real Dickinson's album. His voice here, he's not um, he's not attacking it vocally with again like he's done in the later Maiden albums, the two thousand albums, where he was a little bit too high in the register and key, and he can't hold it anymore. He's, I mean, he's got a wonderful, wonderful voice. We love Bruce's voice with a passion, don't we? But it it is still not, it's not the siren it used to be. It you know. Um, if you listen to those l- sort of late 90s, early 2000 Maiden albums, he does have a strangeness. Like he feels like he's he's trying to break free of his vocal abilities uh, and but not embracing the ones he does have. And that's where I think some of those later, uh, as I talked before last week, some of those Millennium uh, Maiden albums fall flat for me. Um, plus also the recording I just think it's it, I still like the sound it's that CD as I just mentioned earlier the wall of sound CD thing where it's just louder 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 more 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 um, it, you know just because you've got the medium to put it on doesn't mean you should put it on it anyway that's a different story right uh, I've written here um, it's not it's a it's much more me- rememberable album than Picasso right but it's not an album again that I do remember being frothing at when it came out. Um, I'm 2005 is some time ago now. And, uh, my kids were quite young and we just moved to Australia. We, I think about, well, we've been here seven years or so, so far away from the scene and being very excited when it came out because it was a, you know, it was a Brucey album. Wow, it's Dickinson. Let's get it. Let's get it. Love the artwork. Really, um, to be honest, I really like the singles off of it. Um, and I thought, you know, this is going to be an absolute cracker of an album. And it still is. It still has a heaviness. It's not as meaty, maybe, as Balls to Picasso. But it has that real sort of progressive maidenly sound. He sort of brought it with him a bit. Um, and, and you know, he's used a few producers in the time. Roy Z, who's worked with a lot of people. He's worked a couple of albums with Roy Z on guitar and production. He's used lots of people. As I said, I'm not going to go into, into depth of production and people on the albums. I just want to talk about how, they, how I rank them and why I rank them. Um, you know, we'll go back and do them in more depth, possibly in the later episodes. If people would like to hear that, please let me know. Put it in the comments below on Spotify or come to my Facebook page and leave a message there. Whatever way, whatever way you want to do it, let me know if you want me to do any more in depth with them. But um, yeah, it's it's a more polished. I think that's the I think that's where it comes from. Balls Picasso felt like, as I said, that that teenager teenager leaving home, right? He's left home with um, tattooed millionaire. He's moved into possibly the girlfriend. She's buggered off. Um, he's left paying the rent. He's on his own. He's got a mate in. They're getting pissed all the time, watching you know horror movies and porn or whatever they do. I don't you know what we did when we were teenagers, and uh, getting stoned and being stupid. And but whereas Bulls Picasso feels like a bit like he's he's sort of waking up a little bit. And he's like oh you know. This isn't what I want to do with my life. I can't keep doing this all the time. And then Tyranny of Souls um, is a bit more like... um, And this is where it gets... Where my analogy gets mixed up. Because all three, Tyranny of Souls, um, Accident of Birth and Chemical Wedding could be that next stage of his growth, right? Because it feels... They're all very, very similar. They're almost like a a, a three-album story release, even though they're not, right? It does. It is more educated, more thoughtful, and you know, none of his solo albums made lots of money. I'm sure they made him enough money, but they didn't make him big chart success. He's not gonna. He's not a chart success kind of guy, right? He's not getting number ones. He's not getting. Although he did do very, very well with um, the lead singles off of Tattooed Millionaire, but we'll talk about that later on. Um, yeah. So that for me, I, I, I mean, I like the fact that you get a little bit of. Um, the old maiden education out of it um, with this one, right? Uh, it is, as I said, it feels a little less rushed, a bit more meaty. It's 53 minutes in length. 
So, you know, a little bit long. I mean, I like my albums to sit in around about 40, 45, 38 to 45. Um, sometimes, you know, you can overstretch it. But there are some, again, some great musical interludes in this uh, particular album. There is some beautiful lyricism in it. Uh, great, uh, particularly, I mean, standouts, absolute standouts for me, definitely. Tyranny of Souls and Navigate the Seas of the Sun. Um, you know, why not have a bit of a moment of education? And also, just the lyric, I mean, he has a brilliant way of um, of writing, you know. I mean, everyone thinks of Steve being the best writer in the band, but uh, lyrically, but I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, Brucey knows his voice, Brucey knows his limits, and he also is a very educated man, and he's very smart and funny, and he writes really good lyrics, and I think this, for me, um, is definitely one of my... It's like, you know, I said, it's a difficult one to put in, in into a level area, right? Then we come to number three, Accident of Birth, 1997, fourth studio album. It was released on the 3rd of June, 1997. And uh, it's the second album with the, colla- the collaboration with Roy Z, as I mentioned before, guitarist and producer. Um, and joined by Adrian Smith here for a few tracks, both returning back to Maiden in 1999, two years later. Um, this one is one of my f- joys. It's one of my that I have on vinyl that I, I've got them all on vinyl, but they're a couple of reissues because they weren't released on vinyl originally. Um, I really enjoy going back to this one. I often pull it out if I'm having a Maiden night um, and it's the sort of, probably the one I'll put on first. Um, that means you should say, why Tony is it number, not number one? Well, because, as I said before, it's very tricky, this top three, for me. And uh, the top number one is you'll know why it's number one, and, and, I'll, and I'll come to exactly why it's number one. You'll go, ah, oh, I understand, Tony, when you get to the number one spot. Um, and it's not what you think it is. Um, anyway, The Arts by Derek Riggs, um, i.e. Maiden's Wonder Kid in the art. Wonderful to have him back. It was uh, controversially... Produced in the UK, it's got the jester bursting out of the chest of a man lying flat on his back, quite gory, quite, and for then quite controversial. And in Europe, that was it was banned, and so they had to do a different cover of him. Just basically, they cropped the head off, so all you see was the body. Um, in the US, same similar thing happened. They just basically um, put a side view of him on coming out. It was it's a it's a, I've got a couple of copies of the different album covers. My favourite one, though, is one they used for the reissue in 2005, which is the Jester puppet, uh, Nail to a Cross, which was the Japanese single for... Um, they used the art for the single um, uh, off the album. And I've got to find the name of that single because I've gone... Where is it? I wrote this down. Uh, Man of Soul, Man of Souls. Um, and I don't, I get a little bit annoyed with, you know, art controversy and music controversy. Um, you walk into a gallery and you can stand there looking at the most profane and erotic and pornographic stuff you you can possibly shake a stick at, right? Um, and it's art, isn't it? Oh, all right. Holbein painted it, therefore it's okay. But we put stuff out there, and you can take your kids to that gallery. There's no thing saying no children in this gallery. Um, I mean, I must admit, when I took my kids to the galleries, I used to whiz them past certain pieces of art, because not because um, I didn't want them to see it, because I was Englishman and I'm a bit embarrassed, uh, to be honest. don't have to explain it to them. Anyway, um, so what is it? You know, I really find it very frustrating that that the original artist concept has to be um, twisted and thrown away because and, and edited because of the sentiments and safety of a certain you know level of the uh, public. Anyway, that's rent over. Shoebox off a horse. I've got off my horse. It was quite high, wasn't it? It um, it did very well. It uh, it got to number three in the charts actually. Uh, which is pretty good for this album. He didn't do his solo albums; haven't been that productive in chart-wise. 
Um, musically, I think it's close to one of my favorites on the list. As I said, that's why I bring it out first. Um, it's infectious. Like the, the, the guitar parts in Star Children, uh, I've written a juggernaut. Um, and Bruce knows how to bring a bloody catchy number out. He can really knows how to get that sing-along going. And Star Children, for me, is the standout um, sing-along part of the album. It really, really is. Um, it's tonal balance is a little a little hot for me um sometimes it's a little uh flat if that's what i'm trying to say um it's got a very progressive tone which is what i absolutely love right it's concepts it's stories um like the title track accident of birth what a brilliant concept um it's about a family in hell in hell itself who have a birth a baby a accidentally you know a love child or what my dad used to call beer baby and uh which is sadly what my dad used to call me <laughs> anyway actually my older brother used to call me beer baby more than dad um and you know and he that child leaves hell and then they're trying to get him back they're trying to get him back into hell to join the family again but he's going i'm not going back there you you're horrible and it's hell and it's you know songs like, like lyric like opening the gate and inviting him in it's just brilliant. I think, where was he going with that one? I mean, what part of his life did that happen? That was just a wonderful, delicious story for me. Um, you know, tra- tracks like Freak, um, Star Child, um, Dark Side of Aquarius, you know, uh, Man of Souls, um, The Magician. They're just absolutely um, just brilliant, um, brilliant tracks for me. One second, I've just what have I done? Oh, yes, pressing the wrong button. I meant Man of Sorrows, I keep saying Man of Souls, my bloody handwriting, and I know that song so well, you know, it's like just an old man moment again. Um, anyway, Man of Sorrows, which was the single in Japan. Um, yeah, that's it for me. I think it's a a delicious start. Um, if you're gonna play these albums in order and you go, Tony, I'm gonna listen to your albums, your suggestions, and play them in order. You could, in theory, drop this to number one uh, quite happily, I think. Um, particularly on the reissue with some of the extra stuff that comes out on it. Some of the really extra tracks on there that really do make the album quite a, a, a brilliant uh, start to the evening. But I would definitely say that, for me, it sits quite comfortably in at number three. We'll talk about number two when I come back in the second half. Uh, number one, because I'm going to talk about number one quite a bit, and the um, number album I have missed out on the list, uh, but I want to talk about anyway. Um, I'm just going to go warm my tea up, and I'll talk to you on the other side, guys. Bye for now. Welcome back to the show, guys, to the rundown of Bruce Dickinson's top five albums, Tony Evans' opinion. Um, again, this is purely my opinion. You can say what you want. I'd love to know your, um, if you've listened to the albums a lot, what your top five is. And if you're going to listen to them, listen to them all, and then tell me what you think the top five is if you haven't listened to them. Um, if you haven't listened to them, uh, where have you been? Living under a rock? No, I'm only joking, I'm only joking, guys. Just being silly. So, in at two. Um, in at two is quite comfortably Chemical Wedding. Came out in 1998. Um, just before he returned back to Maiden. Uh, Chemical Wedding. Right. Where do we start with this piece of music? This, this sits quite comfortably in the pantheon this could easily be a maiden album now i think it's his most accomplished solo album it uh it's based on um the works um poetry and art of william blake 
an, eight, a, a 18th century, sorry, 19th century um, painter and poet. Uh, the f picture on the front, I've got a little story about this picture on the front. So on the, car of the, the cover art is a large picture of William Blake's painting, the, the, the Ghost of a Flea. Um, now, I was going through, when I was at art college, a real, um, real Blake phase, um, particularly sort of 90, around the early 90s. And this is well before he'd released this album. And I went to an exhibition of Peter Blake, uh, William Blake's uh, work. And up on the wall there, I'd always seen the picture of a ghost of a flea in books. And I thought it was absolutely massive, this picture. I thought, wow, it's going to be really big. And when I saw it in the gallery, um, it was tiny. It's about the size of, uh, I don't know how to say, like a, a postcard size. A bit smaller even. And it really blew me away how much detail he put in in such a small picture is quite a dark picture very much um blake's was very into his prophecies and he's deeply um religious man uh, uh and he was into cults and all sorts of things and on this album um there's lots of spoken words that's from blake uh but it it the, the standout for me is jerusalem which is a hymn, and I actually really, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I really love, I'm not Christian, I don't go to church, um, and I've told you before, I'm of the I'm the, of the Judaic faith, and not that I practice it, um, but I really find English hymns, particularly 18th century English hymns, truly beautiful, um, and really, really beautiful, and Jerusalem is one of them for me, uh, and I have to tell you first, I first heard it um, on a Monty Python record, actually, uh, I think it might be the matching tie and a handkerchief set, um, could be, anyway, I was in, I had to go to church with my father, my father would go to church regularly, um, not with us, but he would go, and one day we went, um, I don't know what for, I mean Har Harvest Festival or something like that, and uh, it made us go along, and they played Jerusalem, and it just filled me with this sense of pride of being British. It was such a, you can see why they play it in the rugby and at the football. It almost, to me, is an English national anthem, you know, along with, I just think it would make the best national anthem for me, um, along with um, Land of Hope and Glory, without sounding, I know it's been abducted by the skinheads and sort of racists and fascists of the world unfortunately but it really is a great great song and and the lyric in jerusalem you know did those feet in ancient times walk upon england's mountains it's basically what it means it's what he's saying is that there is a there is a a, 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 you know, a concept an idea a legend that that christ did come to the isles of england with um with with john the baptist um, when he was fleeing the Romans, uh, and that's what they, that Eric is basically about: is did did Jesus walk upon England, you know, these green and, and pleasant lands? And he, 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 it has been done before, of course. Um, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer have done it on brain, brain salad surgery, but this version is a lot more uh, close to the original and more accessible. And I think more beautiful, in fact, actually. Um, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a few there. I mean, there's um, there's a few epic poems, a few epic um, songs on it. The, um, the title track itself is derived from the, uh, the now, baby, careful when I say this correctly. I'll put my teeth in, hang on, my teeth are in. The Rosicrucian, the Rosicrucian's Manifesto Chemical Wedding of the, the um, Christiana of uh, Christian Rosencrantz. Now, I have probably murdered that. Um, but the, the Rosicrucians are a, a religious sect, basically. Again, go listen, go and read anything by Dan Brown or watch the, um, his, the movies based on his books. They talk about the Rosicrucians. Uh, and it's, 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 again, 
he did the same thing with Maiden when he did um, um, uh, the song. Hang on, Tony Evans, okay, old man brain, old man brain. Um, oh, hit the mic. Um, with the, wait one second, I'm going to pause. On Dance of Death, he did uh, Monsignor, which is uh, about the Cathars. Very similar kind of thing, right? A religious sect that the that the Catholic Church did not take kindly to. Um, sorry about the old man thing there. Brain went completely fizzle then. So yes, it's it's a it, again it's the album that I probably grab second. In fact, I've got it right behind me um, on my record deck, sort of to go tonight. I've planned it to listen to that tonight again, and uh, it really is uh, a special album because it feels just like it's the album I wish that they had made instead of. And this, I'm going to get myself crucified for this, for things like matter of life and death. Right, you know, um, an album that's got, it, it ha, you know, it's got Book of Souls, it's got, um, it's got that written all over it. It's so, it's so textured and layered and uh, intellectual and interesting. Um, it was um, now people get confused here because Bruce wrote the script for a film called Chemical Wedding that was released in two thousand eight. Nothing to do with the album concepts at all. It was about the resurrection of Alistair Crowley. Um, and if you don't know who Alistair Crowley is, check him out. I've listened to my shows in the past. I've talked about him. Considered the most evil man in the world, an occultist. Um, obviously, we all know uh, that that uh, the wonderful um, Ozzy Osbourne has written a song about him. So I don't have to talk about him anymore. We know what we, we know about him completely. But it does mix beautifully the concepts that that um, that Dickinson loves. I mean, even though this album has got nothing to do with Lister Crowley on it, it does feel it because it's got the concepts of what he said this album um, was about. And I've read an article about. It. He said that each song is sort of loosely put to, um, um, based on things like um, loss, um, fear, hatred. Um, uh, union tragedy, uh, all these sort of things that he sort of that you, you and he said that it's such a complex lyrical album that each listener, this is his words, each listener will hear something different, and that's why I'm not willing to really try and break each out song down here because it's again it's a whole episode that I'd want to talk to you about. But it is, it's 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 you can see it's his um, for me one of his last hurrahs before he went back with the band. As I said, growing up like a teenager, this feels like he's going, he's leaving the, the the squat, for instance. He's got a good job and he's moving in with a, a nice girl, nice boy, whatever you choose your your sexual preference here, input there, dot, dot, dot. Um, and he sort of found his niche. He's, you know, he's gone to Ikea and bought the furniture and the, and the, and the plates and the towels and he's sort of, you know, getting glee and joy out of buying toilet cleaner. You know, I mean, that kind of thing in life. You know, it's grown up, basically. Maybe thinking about children, even. Who knows? That's what it feels like. It feels like he's in educate. Or he's gone back. No, he's more like he's gone back to university because he realises that he dropped out too soon. It sounds a bit like my life, to be fair. It could be me. Um, and this probably is me. It's probably why I've put him in the top five like that. This is how my life went, right? Um, so, we're now going to jump into... Um, I want to give more to the album, but it's, I really want to talk about number one. What will it be? What will it be? Well, I'll tell you, it isn't Skunk Works, people. Um, that is not the case. It's going to be Tattooed Millionaire. Now, I'm sure people are rolling their eyes and going, what do you mean, Tattooed Millionaire? Isn't that one of the weakest of his, of his solo albums? And I'll stare down the barrel at you and say, possibly and possibly not. Now... This is his I've left home and run away with a bin liner full of clothing album. Really. It really is. It's full of sexual innuendo. It's full of um, uh, poor, almost sort of badly written biopicy songs. It's, it's, it was done in a two-week period because while he was still with Maiden, 
he was approached to do uh, by a, a company that was making the Nightmare on Street 5 movie, which is an absolute stinker of a movie, and was asked to approach them that they would do a song for the album. And he wrote, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, right? Which he then went on to use with Maiden and got a number one with it. Um, but after recording the song, um, they said, Oh, do you want to make an album? And he's like, Zomba Music said, you want to make an album? He said, yeah, sounds like a good idea. And then recorded it and mixed it in two weeks because at that particular time he was busy touring um, with, with Maiden and and I don't think he felt very comfortable doing solo stuff, although he was in that time having sort of issues with the band. Um, you know, been together so long, it's a lover's tiff, you know what I mean? And uh, he released Tattoo Millionaire. Now, I and myself and, and, and Matt, as I mentioned earlier, both think this is number one. And I'll tell you why we both think it's number one. We both think it's number one, like I'm going to say to 99% of these listeners of this, of this program who've got this album, who are my age and my generation. It's because what it means to us. I was 17 when this came out. And I had a new album. I had an album to go and buy in a time of metal blandness all right it was the early 90s right 1990 and there was such blandness in music you know the bloody nirvana was riding the waves with their shooting fish in a barrel staring at my toes woe is me kind of music that wasn't goth and wasn't you know new wave which is grunge and i don't like grunge you know that um and you know Electronic was taken over again. Pop music was king. There was all sorts of crap. It was so mind-bogglingly bland. No one was, no metal was dying. Um, heavy rock was dying. You know, real music was taking a turn again to into that sort of um, early '80s synth stuff. And then you know, you had your, you had your, um, which I don't mind. You had your sort of rip pop stuff coming through, and at least that was fairly listenable listenable so outcomes there was no prog i mean absolutely no prog for a prog lover it was a dead dead era you know um and outcomes this album uh with you know I, I went and bought it from our price brent cross um i remember going the day and buying it i remember taking the cover because you used to take the cover because there was no record in it you take the cover up to the counter and they were going to get the record for you. And I went to get it and handed them the cover and they couldn't find the vinyl. And I was absolutely distraught. I was like, what do you mean you can't find the vinyl? And they couldn't find it. So I bought the cassette instead. And I went back and forth, bought the vinyl the following week with, with my next week's wage. Um, and I don't bugger all, two things, two things of fuck all I earned, and I gave most of that to my mum. So if I bought records or cassettes or vinyl, it was mostly an entire wage. Um, yeah, basically. And uh, I bought the cassette, took it home, played it, walked around the streets listening to it, listened to the, uh, the you know, the, the singles off of it. Um, you know, we have... Um, it, it, look, people. I've had friends of mine who have died in the war, Maiden fans, who tell me uh, that they think it's a, a stinker of an album, that it, it's uh, childish, uh, that it feels like it's written by just poorly written, um, and I absolutely deny that one hundred and ten percent. Yes, you do have songs that sometimes you might think better turn that down a bit, but like okay, like dive 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 right yes it's about oral sex <laughs> yes it's about um it's got things like semen stains mentioned in it and um climb aboard and um you know gonna blow your load and all that stuff but so what so no he, he you know that's brucey all over i mean it sounds to me this album it sounds right back to when he was with um, Samson. And, you know, I mentioned this before, early Norbum albums had a lot of that kind of 
cringeworthy um, uh, sort of sexism in the music. And yes, it sort of is a little bit cringeworthy sometimes. And, you know, yes, it does um, feel a little bit childish, but then you get brilliant songs like Tattooed Millionaire, which is basically a biopic. And he was born in 58, Brucey, um, in a mining town uh, where his parents were um, teenagers. And so when he was conceived and born, his mum was a shoe shop worker and his father was a mechanic in the army. And his grandparents raised him because they were too young to raise him. And then when they raised enough money and did well buying property, um, they sent him to a public school where he learnt to fence and learned English and fine art and, and, and saw bands like, um, you know, uh, Van de Graaff Generator and uh, Arthur Brown. And I forgot to mention that Arthur Brown, the amazing Arthur Brown, um, if, you know, the song Fire fire the crazy mummy sits he's got a hat on and he sits his hair alight he's on three tracks on Chemical Wedding right um, lovely synergy there at coming full circle huh? he saw Jeffro Toll while he was at school they played at the school this local hall music hall um, for the kids he was in a band in school that was inspired by them and so you know he's come out and he's telling the world on his first solo album this is what I'm he could have come out and been Really, he could have done Chemical Wedding. He could have done Accident of Birth. He could have done Balls to Picasso. He could have done all those. Um, Tyranny of Souls as his first solo album. But no, he wanted to come out and have fun. It was a bit of throwaway music written in, produced in two weeks. Um, when most Maiden albums were produced over months and months and months. You know, mixture of new musicians he's never played with. He didn't want to play metal. None of it's metal on this album. It's all rock and roll. It's all hard, hard rock. Um, which is his, his first love, okay? Um, he, you know, listening to Chubby Checker, uh, you know, persuading his parents to buy him Chubby Checker singles, um, the twi- do the twist and stuff when he was young, listening to it in his kitchen with his mum and dad looking on him in, you know, in complete weird, what's this music you're listening to? Um, and so, you know, he's, he's, he's basically just finding, finding... His, his, his groove, you know, he's got a wonder, is a wonderful um, rendition of All the Young Dudes, the Mott the Hoople song that was made popular by uh, David Bowie. Uh, he does a very good version of it. In fact, it's so good that I actually like it over the original. <laughs> and really, that's a very big call. And I'm sure there are Bowie fans out there going, What are you talking about, you old idiot? But I just like it. I like the way it's placed in the album order. I like the way that the guitar comes in. Um, it's it's Bruce Dickinson and it's homage to a wonderful singer and a wonderful song because it is actually a brilliant song. All the young dudes, uh, it sort of sits in its time and place beautifully. Um, and really, you know, if you if you and this is why I say it's his runaway album, his Leave Home album, because he's, it's his dirty little secrets. It's what he loves to listen to, probably. It's what he wanted to make. He wanted a bit of fun, and I think it was. A, I think it was also um, a kind of um, nod to um, the 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 I don't know the literal thickness and 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 wordiness of Maiden. I think he just wanted to write a rock and roll song that he could play live quite easily he could record quickly um you know i mean the track lineup i'll give you the track lineup you should all know it by now anyway you know it didn't do well in the charts i mean it did okay Uh, it didn't do spectacular but as i said it was that sort of time when um it was rock and roll heavy metal heavy rock was really not chartable music um hell on wheels first track a lot again you know you could just imagine this is his influence of uh watching uh, on the waterfront as a kid rebellious movies like if and so on um you, you know just like leather clad rock and rollers like what rock and roll was originally about right 
Um, then Son of a Gun. This is another, again, I really love the lyric on Son of a Gun. Um, it's fun. It makes me smile. I listen to it. I can sing along to it. It's a brilliant album and track for when you're doing stuff around the house, when you're gardening, when you're just walking to work. It just lifts you for the day, right? And then we jump into All the Young Dudes, right? Which is followed brilliantly by Gypsy Road. Gypsy Road is one of those songs where people say, oh, it's so weak. I don't like that. It's a middle of the album song. I disagree. I think the way the guitar works on this, I think this is um, Roy Z again on this. And it's just got this lovely laconic kind of softness to its rock and roll. And then Tattoo Millionaire, the leading single, which again, um, I think is a, a brilliant, um, I, it's him saying, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not comfortable with this business, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a, I could have fenced for England. I'm a, I like literature and, and warplanes and flying and, and, the, you know, RAF stuff because his family, but, you know, was, he's only one generation away from, um, the war. And, you know, his grandfather would have, like mine, fought in the war. His father wasn't far away from that sort of thing either. Um, the Great War anyway, it's the First and Second World War. Um, and then, and then you've got uh, Born in 58, which is the biopic song, okay, about born in a mining town in 58 when black and white records were up to date. Sorry, black and white TV was up to date, um, you know. And then we, we, we go from that, right, to a bit of real fun, right? We've, we've had some fun. With, we, we've been laconic. We've had fun at the beginning with Hell on Wheels. And then Zulu Lulu. I just love the way it goes, Zulu Lulu, woo! It's, it's just, again, why not? Why not let your hair down, Brucey, and have a little bit of a party, right? Can't always be so bloody serious. And then we come to Dive, 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 which is, okay, two songs on the album that my good friend Dave, big Iron Maiden fan, really dislikes. Um, and um, look, I can see where this album would be politically incorrect now, um, but who? what's wrong with just being a teenage fun? And it is teenage fun, right? So I've talked about it before. It's it is basically about oral sex, you know. Dive, dive, dive. Semen stains, go down below, you know, all that stuff. Um, waiting for to discharge, all that. You know, tight panted rock and roll, um, groupy stuff, right? Why not? You know. And then you get no lies, which is um, we change it, change the tempo. Um, which is another just right no no lies no angels no heaven it's but you know um just saying that everything is it's all in your head basically um and all saying I, I don't know what his marital state was like then i'm not looking to his i have to look into his biography again but he may have been going through something um and it just feels like he's having a bit of fun with this one trying to be a little bit smart with the lyric but it's just again a great piece of it feels americana the album does have an americana feel to it and when i say that i mean it could sit quite comfortably in a linen skinned um deaf leopardy thing of the time it is a real album of its time is it dated possibly do i care do i fuck no it, it, if that's the case, it dates me and I don't care because I just, like Matt, like Matt um, like a lot of people, it's just a point in time um, where you go, fuck, I was fucking happy then. It was just great, you know. Every other day, every other week, there was something to listen, something to find. I was learning and finding new stuff all the time and it was a brilliant time of my life. And, uh, and then we get to um, the last song on the track, Licking the Gun. Now, Licking the Gun is only short. Again, it can only be oral sex, my friends. Uh, whereas Dive, Dive, Dive is man on woman. Licking the Gun is obviously the other way around. Um, not as obviously lyrically offensive, if you want to take it that way. I don't think it's offensive at all. Um... But, you know, lyrics are licking gun, ficking licking gun, good, you know. I mean, I don't know whether you could write that now. Um, sorry, I'd scratch my ear. 
oh, these headphones make my ears a bit, a little bit hot. I don't think you could write that now. Um, well, you probably could. Um, and it's Bruce, he could probably get away with it. But I think he, he's aged uh, enough not to do things like that anymore. I've never, I'd, I would love to see it sung live. Um, I've got live versions of it. Um, and it is a, it's a classic, isn't it? I mean, come on, why not? As I said, it's that teenage album. It's the, it's the runaway plastic bag full of clothes, a sandwich that you've made quickly, um, some beer money, and a money, maybe some money for a ticket, of uh, a train to get away. Um, you know, you've had enough of your dad's bullshit. Um, Mum's just cowering in, in dad's drunken. Um, shadow and you think I'm just going and I've talked about this before and we bring it down but it's how my brother left home and it's something and probably why my brother left home and uh, I haven't seen him for 40 years and and it I think it's 40 years it keeps changing but I was I was I was I was 10 turning 11 so yeah it's 39 years anyway doesn't matter um it's it it I think that's why I quite like this album because he had the bra- he was brave enough to do what he wanted to do whether it was the right thing or wrong thing and I think this album says it all it's brave enough for Bruce to do it he could have not done it he could have done as I said gone straight to Chemical Wedding he had the ability he had the uh, nous and the connections but he didn't he went out there and had his runaway moment his, his regression teenage year moment right and why not now, the album that you're thinking, right, great, Tony, that's wonderful. But what's this album that you didn't talk about? I don't know it. Well, I'm not going to say much about it. I'm not going to go in depth track by track on it because it's, it's an album that I sort of don't like. But after reading about what happened while he was making it, I feel very sad because he made his third solo album, his um, Skunk Works. Right? Now, Skunk Works... Um, what do I say? What can I say about Skunk Works? So he wanted to um, have a new band. Now, just a band called Skunk Works. He, he wanted a band. He wanted to stop being just Bruce Dickinson, and he wanted to be in a band. <coughs> Pardon me. And he, let me get some tea. Sorry, guys. And he um. He put his heart and soul into it, um, and he sort of got you know pushed back by record labels, by musicians. It wasn't a great time for him, uh, sadly. Um, right in the middle of his solo career, it's too new metally for me. It's too um, undirected, um, loose. Um, I don't. I don't quite know what it is. And please, I'd be really happy for anyone to write in or um, reply to this show and tell me what I'm missing on it. I'd love to know exactly why I don't under I don't I don't know why I don't like it. And I said it to to uh, to Matt when we were talking about the top fives. I did say I'm avoiding Skunk Works. It's not going to go in the top five. It'll be an honourable mention. It's it's okay. It's part of his canyon. His canon. It has. The occasional moment um, on it, um, I just, I don't know. Sorry, Bruce, if you ever listen to this, it's, I know it meant a lot to you, um, but, you know, songs like Space Race and Solar Confinement and Dream State, I Will Not Accept the Truth, Inside the Machine... Um, Octavia, Strange Death in Paradise. If I have to pick an album, a song off the album, the ending song, Strange Death in Paradise, is probably the one I really like the most. Um, I just think it's a bit wayward. It's that third album, prob- probably on a contractual thing, got to make an album, got to get it out, um, got to keep touring. Uh, maybe he was in two minds before he was going back to um, join Maiden, maybe he was a bit lost. I don't know. Um I really don't know. Um, just, yeah. I'll read you some things just about it so that you can make up your own mind, okay? It was released in 96. 
So it was a year that I wasn't, and honestly, I'll tell you why. 96 was a, a tough year for me. We just had our first child born. Um, I was working every hour that God sent. Um, I wasn't putting money in or thought into my musical. Um, I had too much to think about. I was working night and day shifts. Um, we were preparing to emigrate to Australia. Well, I was preparing to emigrate to Australia. Um, you know, it was, it was just a tough time. And I really just didn't, I did not um, connect with this album at all. Um, it's a good length, 47, 20 minutes, 47 minutes, 29 seconds. Um, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's too much alternative metal for me. It does have, it does sound a bit like Rush, which I like, but it also is a bit too sound gardeny. Um, yeah, it's a bit too Nirvana, um, very grungy. I mean, is he riding the waves slightly? He probably is. Um, I don't know. He's not a big... He doesn't throw faith a lot behind it. It's, it's an album that I think is forgotten slightly, like, like um, some of the um, Rob Halford solo albums, which I shall be talking about next week. That's a sneak preview, guys. I'm doing a top five Rob, Rob Halford solo albums next week. Um, so do come back for that. But please don't um, just take my word for it. If you really want to give Skunk Works a listen, do give a listen. It's got some brilliant um, musicians on it. It's, uh, you know, it, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just is a bit cold. I don't like the cut. I don't like the artwork of it. I think it's um, misdirected. It's poor. Uh, I'm going to say that. I love Bruce Dickinson with all my heart. I really musically means a lot to me and to a lot of us. But not everything he shits is gold, guys, is it? Right? <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. You have to be honest. I want to be honest in this program. Not everything can be, like, gold. Anyway, not leaving this on a negative view. That was my top five with my honourable mention number six. What's yours? I'd love to know. Like I said, I had trouble with uh, three through to one. One was always going to be one. Always. So maybe three to the... T- 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 Third and second spot were tricky, very, very tricky. In fact, four to three, four to two were tricky, um, because you know, Chemical Wedding is atrocious. Not atrocious, wrong word. Astonishingly fantastic. Um, it was, uh, you know, an unbelievable piece of modern metal. Uh, really is progressive metal, particularly. It's one of the sort of leading albums in that area. You know. <sighs> accident of birth gets me going gets my juices flowing but every time every time I want a bit of fun on goes Tattooed Millionaire and I am 17 again with my first pay packet going to buy it at our price Brent Cross and those that don't know where Brent Cross is it's North London I grew up behind it, it was the England's first shopping major indoor shopping centre I spent most of my missed times youth running around the car park um, playing British Bulldog and um, scaring the shit out of people we used to pop up we used to get the you know um, drink boxes they're called poppers over in Australia but juice cartons we used to, with the straw we drink out of them then we blow them up all full of air in a row put them all in a row and, and three or four of us would jump on them at the same time in the multi-story car park it'd make a bang so loud we'd get chased by the security guards and the, the, the game ended if you got caught by one. I never got caught. I was always fast enough to leg it. But there was always a couple of us that got caught. Um, and um, let's just say uh, it was the time before they'd called the police. So these security guards would give you a damn good smack. Um, and you couldn't go back to the mum and dad and tell you you'd be hit by someone because the mum and dad would hit you as well. So it was just justice then. Um <laughs> and it was a fun way of getting passing a Sunday morning. <laughs> well, that's me for this week. Keep rocking, keep rolling. Thanks for listening. Do enjoy listening to Brucey's um, solo career. Cannot wait for his next one to come out. The Mandrake Project, I think it's called. I could be wrong. Um, anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm sure he's going to drop singles uh, here and there, I'm probably going to do the right thing and not listen to the singles, 
because I want to just hear the album in full. But I cannot sometimes keep away from my promises. I'm gonna I might have to drip drip feed myself into that one. Anyway, let's hope he tours over here in Australia. Let's hope he tours wherever you are in the world. Um, let's hope Maiden gets to us soon. You know, no fingers crossed. Is this going to be his last solo album? Is this last hurrah? If it is, let's hope it's another tattooed millionaire for us all. And now somewhere out there is 16 or 17 with their first piece of money and they're buying an album. And let's hope it's their first album and they can look back in 40 years, 36 years and go, shit, yeah. Yeah, that's what it means to me and to everyone else. Anyway, bye for now. Keep rocking. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.